And we're back one week later, as promised. I'm ramping this podcast up to releasing every Thursday, so that's my promise to you. And it's great for me because I really enjoy having these conversations and then going through and producing them, getting them ready for release, and it's just been a great process for me. Um, it's been a good week. I had a commercial come out, big national PetSmart commercial. And it was funny because I knew it debuted on an episode of The Bachelorette, so when all my guy friends were texting me saying, hey, man, I saw you on TV, I could say, awesome. Uh, are you watching The Bachelorette by chance? And they'd all say, maybe, kind of sheepishly. So I got to call them out. But it's a cool little spot. The director was awesome. I got to work with the dog, which is always a joy. And uh, it turned out really well. So I'm excited about that. And in other news, I'm a little under the weather. Um, looking forward to getting out of town this weekend. My girlfriend and I are taking a much-needed vacation. And... <laughs> There's a saying in the modeling and acting world where if you want to book a job, book a trip. And it's so true because as soon as you make travel plans, the avails and bookings and auditions and callbacks just roll in. And I don't know if it's that you walk into castings with the attitude of like, I'm out of here in a week, or it's just the fact that that's how the universe chooses to work. But it definitely holds true because I've got a few overlapping avails and we'll see what happens. I'm going on vacation either way. And um, whoever gets the job deserves that job. And speaking of getting jobs, um, this episode is exactly what people are looking for in terms of getting into the industry, whether that's modeling or commercial acting, and then rising to the top of the industry. We talk with Will McNeil, who is a quote-unquote talent coordinator at a big agency here in LA, one of the agencies I'm signed with. And that means he's basically a talent scout, developer, and manager. He's the agency point person, and he deals with talent all day. He deals with new talent. He deals with seasoned talent. He deals with troublesome talent and really good talent. And he sheds a lot of light on what makes a good model, what makes a good actor, what makes a good um, submission to potentially become a new talent at, a, at an agency. And I learned a lot from him. I've been communicating with Will for the last three years and just sitting down and having this conversation for an hour, I learned probably more than I have in those last three years. So I'm really glad we had this conversation. I'm really glad I get to share it with all of you. So without speaking about it too much more, enjoy Will McNeil. only rule i have about finding a place what i have to have either west and or south facing windows a true photographer but you're <laughs> leaving here in like a month yeah then what uh well my girlfriend's going back to paris for a month stint for fashion week Ooh, fancy i'll probably meet her out there for a couple of weeks for vacation and then figure out what's happening next well, I don't want to talk about the future yet. I do want to talk about the past because mm. we always open this podcast with a single question, and that is, what were you up to when you were seven years old? When I was seven years old, I probably had the storybook childhood. Really? You had an idyllic life growing I up. I had a house in a beautiful neighborhood. Yeah. I had two loving parents, and I had a half a dozen friends all living on the same block or two. Yeah. And I would never be in my home unless my friends were there. If my friends weren't yeah. there, then I was gone out on the streets, riding my bikes, oh, shooting my skateboard. We had a summer uh, sandlot baseball league that we oh, did. Oh, man. You're like was, out of a movie. It's oh, like it was, this big green meets the sandlot. And two of my favorite movies growing yeah, up. I'm, so. Dude, all those movies like Camp Nowhere. Those movies are so nostalgic for me. So you had a very stable, loving... <laughs> as you said, quintessential, idyllic childhood. It's pretty perfect. So how, how do you end up being in the crazy world of LA modeling and photography and agency life from that stability growing up? Uh, well, jumping forward through, I ran track through college and yeah. I was on pace to go to 
I wasn't going to, I wasn't really going to do med school. I usually just say I was going to go to med school because it's a simplification of the whole sure. thing. Um, PA school, physician assistant. Yeah, I know about that. Yeah. So that was kind of like my route and I was looking at that. Then I got an internship with the team doctor for the San Diego Chargers. Cool. And I was like, all right, this is about as cool as it could be. Yeah. <laughs> and it still sucked. Really? For the doctor? He didn't enjoy it? No, the doctor, I, mean, I don't know. He's been doing it forever. He's yeah. good at it. I mean, he got fired from the Chargers for... Oops. I'm not going to talk about that. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to be stuck in fluorescent lighting underground in an OR. And yeah, I actually worked in a surgery center my first year. My fr- After my freshman year of college, my summer job was working in a surgery center. Because my dad's a doctor and he's just like, you need a job. This is what you're going to do. And I did it. And it was cool because I got to sit in on like open heart surgeries and... Mm-hmm. You know, really interesting stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, do you want to spend your life in a hospital? And right. no, it smells weird. People <laughs> are sick. People are dying. You know, as a doctor, you end up having this really sort of gallows humor perspective about the human body and like when things are going wrong and illness and death. And they're like, oh, it's all plumbing. And I, that's not something I aspired to. And the healthcare debate now is a whole other thing, but my dad will talk anyone out of becoming a doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would talk anyone <laughs> into becoming a model because for a few years he was like, what the hell are you doing? Maybe you should get a real job. I think now he's he's cooled his jets a little bit. But it's interesting that I came from a very stable background, well, for the most part, stable childhood mm-hmm. um, until things maybe went a little south when I was 10, 12. But I think that sort of stability, that foundation allows you maybe a little bit more of an exploratory way of thinking with how you how you direct your life. And the reason we always ask that question up top is because there's a quote that says, give me the boy at seven and I'll show you the man. Mm. And it basically implies that everything in your first seven years of life sets you up to be the person you're going to become. And so like with Zach Staben in the first episode, he was traveling around the world with his parents on some like harebrained trip. And that gave him the freedom to be open to new experiences and, you know, kind of going where he wasn't comfortable and right. which is a big part of modeling. So for you, it seems like, and with me, having a stable background allowed you to sort of explore your creative side or mm-hmm. your more wild ideas. I, I certainly had a, I had a mother that would break her back to make sure that I never wanted for anything. Yeah. It's evolved into something that's allowed me to feel comfortable making these leaps and knowing full well that I had that safety net. Yeah. Uh, the older I get, the more I realize in adulthood that that safety net isn't as safety net as I might think. Sure. But just a mother's love. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because, I mean, you're a hustler. You definitely, I mean, I've seen you between your social media presence and then my interactions with you at my agency that you work at you're always working really hard. You're always dedicated to what you're doing. And you also make people feel very comfortable and at home. So you're a coordinator. Is that the official title at the agency? Talent coordinator. Talent right. coordinator. So which, you're, which is not a universal term, which is not a universal title amongst agencies. Yeah. So it, it basically encompasses talent scout, mm-hmm. developer, mm-hmm. manager. Yeah. So you're the guy I go to when I have travel coming up to manage my schedule so we don't overlap with potential additions or shoots. Mm-hmm. You're the guy I talk to about getting new images for my book, my portfolio. You're the guy I talk to about setting up test shoots and the direction I want to take my career in. Mm-hmm. You're kind of the like point person for the agency. And that was important for the for our agency as far as having that one point person yeah. um, that's not distracted with bookings and submissions right. and actual like contractual negotiations because I am available to you and to the talent yeah um, the attention that you want and you need in order to be successful I provide that right I mean I've been with the agency for a while and you're the third coordinator we've Mm -hmm. gone through and you know it's always sad to see the previous ones go but when you signed on you sort of brought a group of talent in to sit down one-on-one and say this is what I think your strong suits are this is what I think is missing in your book and then also you just asked, like, what do you want to do? And you were the first person that really taught me, you need to shoot the work you want to book. Right. I've talked about this a few times on the podcast, and I remember you sitting me down, and you're like, what brands do you want to work with? And I was like, well, I'd love to work with Patagonia because outdoorsy brands, those shoots tend to feel like paid vacations for me. You know, right. when I did Merrill and Mount Shasta, it was like, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. <laughs> and you were like, great, so go out and shoot some outdoorsy stuff. Right. Test with a photographer, 
find a buddy who has a camera or someone else who's, you know, or pay someone a few hundred dollars to just get some images because you need the work in your book to get that work, right? That's the thing when it comes to booking this industry is that uh, whether you're talking about a, a specific casting director, or you're talking about a client or whoever, a producer, it's surprising how narrow their imagination is when yeah. it comes to booking yeah. talent. So if you have someone who looks and has the images in their book mm -hmm. for the project that they're booking, that they're casting for, right? boom, you're a shoo-in. Yeah, I mean, because like, you know, I have a scruffy beard right now and I have rock climbing and mountain biking and backpacking legitimate skills in my repertoire. But if I send in a photo of me in a suit looking clean cut, but the agent's like, oh no, don't worry. Like he's a real legit rock climber. Like they're gonna be like, yeah, but this guy has a picture of him rock climbing. So we're going to go with him because I can't, there's a cognitive disconnect between this guy in a suit who claims he can rock climb and the guy I see rock climbing in front of me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And no one's going to take your word for it. Right. No one's just going to say that. There's a story I heard, uh, and I won't tell, I guess, <laughs> all right, well, Trevor Butcher told me this story. I'm okay, yeah. Sure. Okay? You know Trevor? Yeah, I know of him. Know of him. We're very similar, so we don't, like, cross paths too much. Right. He's a super outdoorsy guy, too. Yeah. He was telling me this story about um, Emilio Estevez before uh, he uh, got booked for Mighty Ducks. Yeah. It was the whole going for a casting. They right. ask you, can you ice skate? Yeah. Yeah, of course I can. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> so... He got booked for the job. He had no idea. He booked a, a trainer and he just learned how to ice skate. Really? In like the two months before he had, before he started shooting. And there you go, you know, but that is lost yeah. in the world today with the amount of media that you can provide and, you know, the amount of competition that there is. You need to be able to provide the skills in both picture and video, ideally. Right. For whatever it is you're going to be asked for. Yeah. No matter how random. It could be ping pong. Yeah. I mean, I see breakdowns for it's like rodeo clown. Like, do you have rodeo clown experience? And you could lie and say yes. But if you somehow actually have experience, aren't faking it and can prove it with video, you're probably going to book that job. Right. You could have a small percentage chance of booking a job based yeah. off of your word and just having a cool look. Yeah. Or you could set yourself above in the top five percentile. Right. Just by providing a picture. It doesn't even yeah, have to be a shooing. good picture. Yeah. Stuff like that. Even like the outdoorsy stuff you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Go camping. Right. Use your iPhone. Get yeah. a, get a, get a group shot is, you know, sitting by the campfire. That's what you need. Yeah. And I mean, the other, the flip side of that is we don't have the luxury of having two months to learn how to ice skate for a shoot. Mm -hmm. So I've heard horror stories of people <laughs> saying, oh, I can kiteboard. And then the day of the shoot comes, they're out on a boat on a half a million dollar production and the girl just starts breaking down crying because she's never kiteboarded before and thought she could figure it out the day of. And, you know, oh my. then the agents, that's going to reflect terribly on the agency. She should probably get dropped. You know, they have to find new talent or schedule a whole new shoot day. You've fucked everyone over basically yeah the amount of money that a production loses on a lie like that yeah is incredible i mean there's a fine line because you go into auditions and they're like what's your experience with dogs or kids and you can you know you can pad your resume to some mm. extent because a lot of times it doesn't matter and you'll go to shoots where they're like what's your mountain biking experience and you can you can round up so to speak because a lot of times you get to set and it's like, okay, take this mountain bike out of this truck and then put it back in and that's our mountain biking shot. <laughs> but there are shoots where if they're asking for an extreme downhill mountain biker, you might want to be able to back that up or you could get hurt. You could screw over the agency, screw over the production. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's certainly your reflection of your agency. And yeah. if you show up and you ruin a production, that production is not going to work with that agency again, probably right. because they provided the wrong talent. But yeah. You know, there's certain things that acting is part of it, right? right? It's like you'll see a breakdown for real soccer fans. Mm -hmm. And we'll submit talent that fit the, the specs that they're looking for. Yeah. And we'll get talent that come back. And I don't watch soccer. Act like it. Yeah. Google a team. <laughs> learn the three best players. What they did last season. Like, it's not that hard to figure stuff out. And it's kind of fun to do that research because yeah. half the models out here are trying to be actors. So it's like, you just got to roll. Like, research <laughs> your role. Learn your character. Yeah. Walk into that room, the best fucking soccer fan they've ever seen. And then... Then it's funny because like you book the job and it's all a lie and it's like a <laughs> secret that no one knows about, uh, which makes it even more fun. If you pull it off, it's just icing on the cake. And and the better and the more into acting and all that that you are, play it up. Yeah. Go find somebody who has a soccer kit and put on a jersey and shorts and walk in there and be like, 
I love the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many times I've emailed and texted friends being like, I need snowboarding goggles right now. And they're like, why? It's LA in the summer. Like, don't worry about it. I, I got to do something with them. Yeah. Just make it work because it's such a competitive market. And yeah. I mean, there, I don't know if it's Instagram or just the fact that there's more people on earth, but it seems like there's almost an impossible sea of models to wade through just right. to get a breath of air to sustain yourself. And before we talk about like how to sort of rise to the top, you scout for an agency, right? Yeah, correct. And is that more active or passive? Are you going out and looking for people or are you waiting for them to submit to you? Both. I yeah. mean, being a part of a bigger agency that's, uh, you know, got national recognition, we, uh, we get a lot of people that apply. Yeah. We get a lot of people. We get every, every single day people are applying and, and that's through the online submission portal. Right. Most agencies nowadays do have an online because there's just so many people that want to be models right. that it doesn't make sense to slide s- into the DMs or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or even have open calls anymore. Yeah. Agencies don't do that as much. Too many anymore. people. It's just too many people. And so I'll fish through those every day. It's not uh, it's not incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. But the other half of it is, yeah, searching through social media, searching sure. through walking down the street as you just keep your eyes peeled as part of your job and yeah. looking for people that would fit the mold of what you're looking for right. to add to the talent that we currently represent, not necessarily replace. Right. Because I've you know, always said if if an agency has you, they don't need you. Right. I mean, you could have a few all-American guys and a few you know, black girls with bouncy afros and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the tropes you see in commercials and print. But there's a saturation point where they don't, they don't, they're full. They don't need you anymore. Right. It doesn't mean you're not, you don't have a great look. It means that agency doesn't need you. So move along. That's the thing. It's like, we may not be the right agency for you at this time because we already have a talent of your category, almost identical yeah. specs. Like measurement, down to the measurements. Right. So you would be better served going right. somewhere else. Right. And do you have any funny stories about maybe stopping someone on the street? I mean, you got a mustache right now. So if you stop on the street <laughs> and we're like, do you want to be a model? I'd be like, no. <laughs> it is the most, when I first started and I, and that became my job title, it was the, almost the first priority to figure out how to make myself approachable without being that LA creep. Yeah. Because how many horror stories do you hear about things like that? And rightly so. Sure. People use that as an absolute ploy. It's a, it's a ploy, yeah. To try and get at people. And it's 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 a trap. But, it's gross. Uh, I mean, as far as funny stories, uh, I'm trying to think of one. Put me on the spot here. Or just success stories. Like, have you ever grabbed someone on the street who's ended up signing with the agency? I have scouted a couple of talent based off of, from me as a photographer. Yeah. So I've found people that way that I've been like, listen, you're not represented. You should be represented. It was maybe somebody who was trying to like dip their toes in the scene by getting a photo shoot done. Mm -hmm. That stuff is pretty common. I think agencies like having someone like that because you can funnel people into your agency. Um, That's one of the biggest ways I hear of people getting their first agent is shooting with a photographer who's like, why aren't you represented? I you know, have contacts at X agency. Let me send your stuff over. Exactly. Done. Right. You are, you've got social proof that this photographer who they like, likes you. So A to C done. Which without trying to plug in the whole photographer deserves recognition and pays style. It's yeah. You paid $400. Now you're with an agency making 80 grand a year. Yeah. 400 bucks was a pretty good investment there. I mean, and it goes hand in hand being a photographer, having a good eye and then being a scout it makes sense because you know what to look for in terms of just aesthetics of the person Mm -hmm. and then maybe if they have a portfolio already skill level where they're at in terms of their career how much development do they need how much direction do they need and age takes a huge factor into that so approaching someone again trying to eliminate the creep factor yeah is hey have you thought of doing this before right and how old are you Mm -hmm. epiphany i do have an idea of a uh, story of someone that I scouted yeah. that was in my yoga class. Really? Yeah. Very tough environment to try and approach somebody and not sure. come off creepy also. It's yeah. Just, it's, it's continually going to be that hurdle that you have to get over. Well, they either think you're hitting on them or mm-hmm. probably just hitting on them. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's, and that's the thing. It's like, and I don't have my glasses on when I'm in yoga, so I'm trying to get a decent look at this girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like across the, across the room here. Uh, and yoga classes are dark and here sweaty I am just trying and, yeah, to, yeah, it's foggy. Like, here I am, you know, just shirtless, sweating a puddle underneath me and mm-hmm. there she is. And I'm just like, 
after class, I walked up to her and I, I simply just asked the questions like, have you ever done this before? Mm-hmm. I'm a scout for this agency mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. Long and short of it is that she actually had just left her agent. Really? And she was looking for a new agency. So it was good eye on that standpoint. Found someone who's has experience already. Um, she didn't wind up signing with my agency. She wound up signing with another one. And, um, but she's been successful. Great. So... I mean, not everyone's getting scouted in a yoga class. And generally, if you're in LA and you look like a model and you're in a yoga class, you're probably you're already a model. Probably like, a model. And, you know, in smaller markets, it might be more common. I know a lot of agencies have people who go out to the Midwest and places where there aren't as many big agencies. There's a famous story from where I'm from, St. Louis, where I think this girl was scouted in a store and then she, at like 14 or 15, um, by some big agency here like Next or elite and then she's a victoria's secret angel it's just like that's how it happens but don't count on that don't hold your breath on that if you're out there (laughs) wondering about how to get into modeling i'm more curious about the submissions you get and how you sift through them what you're looking for what drives you nuts you know how does how does that process work for you honestly the only thing i could say the biggest thing i could say is treat it like a business right if you're sending me mirror selfies of you in the bathroom with your shirt off and you're wearing a towel immediate dismissal Good and that's just off and that's just off of like pure this is how you're gonna be this yeah is how you're this is how you take this business right attitude like the have a beer test would i have a beer with this person right probably not right yeah you know and then in this business business it's all about having people that are relatable and people that would work and have the ethic and all that sure. so um you get a quick factor over these submissions especially ours which i think is a little bit uh, quite a bit more in-depth than other agents yeah. Um, online submissions because we are, we do ask for quite a bit more. So the submission does require it's it's more like a job application. Sure. Tell me your skills. Tell me your uh, past experience mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And it takes time to sit down and write it. And people that don't spend time writing anything in there, right? Why do you deserve? Why my do time? I yeah. why why do I want to spend my time trying to look at you? Right. It all goes back to there's work for just about everybody in this business, right? right? But it's we, not I, all I, just I, beautiful people. Like right. print modeling and commercial modeling, it's all shapes and sizes. But you don't even have. But it's not even about beautiful. Yeah. There's work. We've gotten we've gotten feedback from clients that our models are too beautiful. Oh yeah, I see a lot of breakdowns. It's like no models, no <laughs> beautiful people, and then I get sent to those castings. I'm like, okay, mm. and I show up, and it's the prettiest people in the world. <laughs> like, come on, what's going on here? But the guy who probably books that's probably got a dad bod and just, you know, yeah. you know, looks like he's probably doesn't care as much. He has that yeah. more relatable. Right. More everyday. Everyday attitude. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I'm looking for is I'm looking for things that fit our needs of our agency. Yeah. You know, at any given time, I have a list of the things that I'm looking for. I'm looking for talent 18 to 24. I'm looking for, you know, young African Ameri- African-American men. I'm looking mm-hmm. for. Um, a redhead woman. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. And that's the list that I actively seek for. Yeah. Outside of that, unless you have the model trio of go-to specs, mm-hmm. which for a woman is like 5'9", 5'10", size 7 shoe, mm-hmm. and has the model jaw and face. Right. Like So jaw, like, you're looking at jaws a lot. Um, it's about having a photograph. A photogenic angle. Yeah, more like you tend to see models who, in person, you're like interesting because they just have more severe features, mm-hmm. more angles, and when they're just walking around, with their hair in a messy bun, no makeup, it you kind of like you're like really, and then you see their Instagram, you're like, oh okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and, that, and that's and that's the crazy part, right? And that's yeah. what takes the training and even just like the in depth thinking about where your where's your eye going to go to first? Yeah. When I look at people, my my eye first goes to height. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, you just have to be tall enough to right. be a model. Which, using this platform to explain that a little bit, because I get a lot of people, a lot of women who come by at 5'5", five five and a lot of men who come by at 5'10". Yeah. And the reality is, is that in commercial acting, probably not as much of a factor when it comes no. to height. Yeah. When it comes to print, you have to be able to fit the clothes, the sample size clothes that they right. pull, and they require specific specs on height, Sizes Super specific, like yeah. So if you can't fit that, then unfortunately for a print and commercial agency or a print specific agency, mm-hmm. you're not going to be as marketable because we can't push you on both sides of it. Right. But the silver lining of that is to say that if you're not 5'9 as a girl or 6 foot plus as a guy, look for a commercial agency. 
Exactly. Because the people you see in commercials are not, I mean, they're literally all shapes and sizes. Absolutely. And that's a great, if you're more charactery at quote unquote, as they say, which means just like you have an interesting look or maybe you're heavier, maybe you're skinnier mm-hmm. or you're, I don't know, you have sunken eyes or big ears. Like they're looking for that. Tons of like, look, watch commercials. People are weird looking. People are beautiful. People are normal looking. It's it runs the gamut. So and and the and the better part about the movement of our society is is that each commercial wants to be more inclusive. Oh yeah, I mean I joke about it, but as a white guy with brown hair and a beard, like I'm generally moved to the back of the pack in shoots. Like I just did a shoot for Jim Beam. And they kept just being like, get in the back. Like, you're too normal. Like, and that's great. Like, I'm still there. I'm making my money. And like, I'm, I've been in the front. I don't really care about pulling focus at this point in my career because that whole battle and nudging shoulders is not fun anymore. So, mm. yeah, everybody wins in that regard. I mean, you're there. You're working. People just want to have a good time on set. So yeah. as long as you're providing that, I mean, probably where you're at in that lineup doesn't matter as much. It doesn't matter at all. And the people who are... So that shoot I was talking about, that Jim Beam shoot where they kept pushing me to the back they noticed that I was kind of doing the right things and holding the right poses while they were shooting. And I slowly kept getting moved (laughs) forward. And, you know, before I knew it, I was in the hero spot, basically, because I was just keeping my head down, so to speak, and, you know, doing my job. Right. And other people were worried about themselves more than the team and the final product, Mm -hmm. which is what it comes down to, be a team player. And that's come up over and over again on this podcast. Right. So I'm curious, when you get a submission from someone who's fits the specs. They, they hit that trio that you mentioned, the, mm-hmm. the height, the shoe size and the, the features, mm-hmm. facial features. Do you worry about their, the strength of their portfolio or you accept someone who's totally green, just had a friend take three digitals with their iPhone of them in their sports bra or whatever. Are you willing to take a shot on someone like that? Absolutely. But yeah. it depends on age. Right. Right. You have a, you have a longer window of me to be able to, de- to develop a talent if they're under the age of 23, yeah. usually if they hit 24 to 28, I'm expecting them to have a semi-developed portfolio, Yeah. if not a fully developed portfolio. Right. Anything over that, they should have a developed portfolio. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because I started modeling at 24, 25 and had zero portfolio. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I signed with our agency and they're like, all right, just send over all the you know stuff you may have. Um, examples of activities you can do, skills you have. And this was before Instagram when, you know, now everyone has beautifully curated photos of them, Mm. no matter who they are. But back then it was like, I was pulling stuff from my Facebook feed from college (laughs) and it was just horrible photos. And I'll try to dig some up and share them because they're so bad. Uh, It's like me on rollerblades in a wetsuit holding a surfboard. That was like this, (laughs) two for one, rollerblading and surfboarding. And they're like, I just said surf. It's perfect for submissions. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm sure that the, the level of quality has risen so much in terms of these submissions. Yeah. And you know, you'll, you'll see it every day you go to the beach where you see people modeling in yeah. pose and then you got their best friend there taking yeah. pictures on the iPhone for no get, reason, getting down in the sand, for just, likes, the yeah. just, just for getting it for the gram or something yeah. like that. And that stuff does that stuff. It, it's okay for a young model. I think that's okay to start working young or old. Right. I treat them the same. Yeah. Right. Over 45, something like that. Yeah. Um, you can utilize that kind of simplicity when it comes to your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're really looking at building your portfolio and building it quickly. What I want to know from these talent, if they don't have a portfolio built, is I want to have a conversation with them and figure out where is modeling in their life, in Mm -hmm. their priority. Yeah. If it's not going to be their priority and I can tell that, then go build it and come back. Yeah. I'm not going to take prove a chance that on it, Yeah, prove that it's worthwhile for me to invest in you. Right. Because there are a lot of people who maybe they retire or their kids move out and they have more free time and I'll be on set with someone who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm 60 and I just started doing this. I'm just like having mm-hmm. a good time. And yeah, it's fun, but you also have to treat it like a business, like you said. Right. And the two things I've encountered most in talking with models is that the best models are the nicest models and the most professional models. Absolutely. They're fun to be around and they treat it like everyone else's job. It's not some like running around doing cocaine and drinking Diet Coke because mm-hmm. maybe those days existed, but they're certainly not today. Um, it's a business. You have to be smart about your income, your expenses, your the time management, time management, the effort you're putting into. I mean, I spend more time, not more time, but a lot of time just working on 
test shoots and like building my book so that I can get work that I want. And it always pays mm-hmm. off. Every time I do a new portfolio shoot or a new test shoot, I book new work immediately. Right. Every time. And even if it's not a quick turnaround like that, yeah, it's never a bad thing to have. Right. If it takes six months to, and then you get that SAG national commercial for the Super Bowl yeah. and then you're raking in $30,000, $40,000 a month. Thanks to that one football. That one image. That yeah. one football picture test yeah. shoot that you went out and got. Yep. And I mean, it's not that hard to, you know, ask your agency for examples of the images you want to add to your book right. from the other talent. Find your, the best way, if you don't have a budget, you know, find a friend who's a photographer who can shoot it for you the best of your ability. Hire mm-hmm. someone for a couple hundred bucks to shoot it or go full out and, you know, hire someone for up to a thousand dollars for a, you know, professional level test shoot or not, it's not a test shoot, but a shoot, you know? Yeah. Well, everyone has a different uh, definition for a test shoot. My yeah. idea of a test shoot is it doesn't matter if it's paid or unpaid. Right. It has to do whether or not it's for a client. That makes sense. Right. If, whether it's for your portfolio or... Because everyone loves to get tears from paid shoots where it's right. like, wow, they had all the lights brought in. I had the perfect wardrobe on. They dressed me up like a pitcher. They taught me the motion. I killed it. And it looks like I'm a professional pitcher. But mm-hmm. chances are, even if you did that shoot, you may never get the images. You may never see the images. The photographer photographer may not be able to release them to you. So you can't count on that. I ran into a situation with a talent not too long ago where that was his specific plan of action. He was, I want to get signed. Yeah. And then I'll book some work, and that's how I'll build my portfolio. No. Nope. That is not how Opposite. it works. <laughs> Opposite. <day>, <laughs> so he wasn't getting booked for a long time. I'm like, and he was coming to me. I was coming to him. I was like, listen, you're not getting the pictures. He's like, I'm not getting the work. I'm like, <laughs> like let's. Putting the cart before the horse or whatever. Horse yeah. before the cart. You know, eventually he got, he got some pictures. He's been getting some work. But even still, if you think that you're going to be able to take these tear sheets, of you on a Nike shoot, deck to the nines in Nike. Mm-hmm, right. You think we're going to be able to submit that picture to Reebok or right. Lululemon yeah. or Under Armour? No. Yeah. You're decked in Nike. Yeah. Like your test shoot should be brand neutral, no matter what it is, lifestyle mm-hmm. or fitness. Doesn't right. matter or fashion or anything. It all has to do with being able to make your images be as versatile as possible. Yeah. And maybe you could Photoshop them, but maybe not. Smaller logos are fine. If your yeah. entire chest and entire back is right. filled with a huge logo, no. Yeah, and you, you could Photoshop a tiny logo. Brands out. know what their competitors are up to. They're going to know that's a Nike mm-hmm. ad that you Photoshopped, like that you right. scrubbed. They're not stupid. Yeah. Um, and another thing, like I'll get casting notifications saying, you're going to audition for this brand. Please don't wear any competitors' brands. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times I show up and everyone is decked out in the competitors' brand. It's and I do my best to, to hide whatever, I, you know, I'm not going to go out and buy new clothes for a casting, but I can do my best mm-hmm. and wear something that's maybe not a competitor, but in a different category of apparel and it works out. But people just don't follow directions, it seems. And that seems so obvious to me. Yeah. And I unfortunately didn't get the pleasure to sign you to the agency. Yeah. Um, had I, you would have gone through my orientation. Right. And in my orientation, that is stated boldly explicitly yeah and that is and people look at me like duh yeah but you're just verifying right here that it is not duh yeah and but i tell people it's like listen just go out and buy something from it could be a social media brand that's not on that big scale yet. target it could be target it could be um marshall's doesn't matter as long as it's off brand of the major brands right and that includes shoes yeah I mean, and, you know, first audition callback is one thing, you know, maybe there's no one from the agency there. They're going to watch it on a screen. They might not notice as much, but like, let's say you book the job. I've shown up to many shoots where no one from the client, the agency, the production company, they are not wearing competitors brands Mm -hmm. and the talent will show up like, whatever, I can wear what I want. But then I might be like, I'll pull out my one pair of shoes for that brand. And they're like, oh, cool. Like those are the old school, like whatever, whatever's. And then you have this bond going because you respected the fact that you're there for them. So don't step on their toes literally by wearing the wrong clothes because right. you feel like you can because you already booked the job, you know? Right. Wear no brand. That's the, that's the flip side of it, right? Yeah. Don't go out and spend $500 on clothes just so that you could have the same brand for the audition that you're going to. Yeah. You may not get the book booking, but if you do get the booking and you want to go splurge on some Lululemons because you know you're going right. to go ahead and treat yourself. Yeah. Get yourself <laughs> a little bit of that money back from the $5,000 you're going to get from that job. Great. Yeah. You're only going to look better. Right. 
Yeah, and you deserve it. You earned it. You earned it. So, okay, let's say you sign a new talent. You put them through your orientation, Mm -hmm. uh, your special sauce. What sort of stuff when you're communicating with a talent? Because I don't know. I send you emails several times a week, and I always get a response back really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I always try to respond to your emails really quickly just Mm -hmm. to show that I'm present and available when I say I'm available. And But like, what kind of stuff either quickly brings someone to the top of the pool or drops them to the deep end, you know, Mm. just in terms of communication and professionalism. Timelines matter. Mm -hmm. Timelines matter. Every day we get a hundred plus projects that cross our desk. Yeah. Easy. Every day we are submitting on that many and more projects. And the longer you take to get your stuff, the more projects you're missing, Mm -hmm. the less projects we're able to submit you for. Right. Thus, the more money that's being missed. Yeah. And it's a business. Money yep. matters. Yep. So there's, there's things I ask for that, do, that doesn't require another person, that doesn't require a dollar spent. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get that to me in the first week, mm-hmm. it's already part of my... Yeah. I'm keeping an eye on this. Red flag number one. Right. Yeah. It's, did you log into your profile and fill out your address and your personal information? Did mm-hmm. you fill out everything that you need just to have the mind-numbing clerical stuff done? When you sign with an agency, you have to fill out your bio and your resume in like three different places. And yeah. it seems annoying, but if you turn that around and like just like show them that you're on top of it, I feel like that's such a great selling point for you as a talent. Right. It takes a couple hours. Yeah. Do it while you're watching Friends. Right. And you should be stoked about it. You just signed with an agency. Right. How is that not Happy day. Yeah. Go get your bread. Make the money. If you're not not ready to do that, then what makes you think that we want to bust our ass for you if you're not able to do the simplest of things for us? Yeah. You scratch my back. I'll scratch yours. It's a relationship. That's what it comes down to. And then... I guess I'm just looking for what am I doing wrong, Will? Just tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> you're you're doing nothing wrong, man. The communication's everything in this business. You yeah. you your bookers re- reach out to you, you respond fast. Yeah. The the longer you make a client wait, the more they get tired of you. The faster they get tired of you. Yeah. Like well, I was talking about this today in the office, just today, and it's like one talent got everything done super super fast for a client. They got the whole self tape. They got everything done. They mm-hmm. got it in. Boom, perfect. Another person waited 36 hours longer. They're yeah. like, eh, I've already got this other person on hold now. Right. That person missed out. Yeah. I mean, 36 hours. If they like, if they see you and they like you, they're not going to wait. They want, they want to be done with their job. They want to be done with their <laughs> job. So let them be done. Show them you're the guy. Let them say, good, put him on a veil. Oh, he's available. Book him. Mm-hmm. And then there's, maybe there's still 48 hours left in that window, but you don't know, you know, you don't know if that job's already taken. It could be. Yeah. Having having technology in your pocket, having a computer in your pocket nowadays yeah. with these with these smartphones. Yeah. There's no reason why in between reps at the gym you can't oh, I've done look it. at your phone and be like, oh shoot, yeah, I'm yeah. a veil. Yeah. Or like pull me on. Take a selfie. Take a do a quick <laughs> self tape. I've done it in bathrooms, I've done it in parking lots, I've done it <laughs> wherever. Just like get it done. And like part of that is just are you excited about it? Do you want right. do you want the work? Right. And you should. A because there's a lot of people who want that work just as much, if not more than you. Mm-hmm. So what's going to set you apart in terms of why you should get it? One thing you can say is just, I turned it around faster. I'm, right. I show that I'm a go-getter. Right. And, and you like, make it easy on the booker because the longer the booker has to wait, the longer their job's done, the longer they're working yeah. on the job too. And self-tapes are fun. Like I like <laughs> shooting and editing together little self-tapes because it's like, oh, I get... I have this little project and I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're going for this commercial. And I try to think from the other side of the camera and like, what are they going for? What's going to make them happy? What's going to make them laugh? Adding in like, I don't know, maybe a little sound effect. that's just silly. It shows some personality. Personality matters. Yeah. Um, that makes one of us. I've done one self tape for, a, yeah. for something a, a friend sent to me and it took me about, I want to say the over under on it is probably about 30 takes. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to tell you how it takes mine take, but sometimes I can just bang them out and send it in. And the first one's the best one because I'm just not thinking about it. Mm. But, you know, if there's dialogue or it's more complicated or someone's filming it for me that keeps putting the camera vertical instead of horizontal, you know, you can get tricky. (laughs) But that's one of those things that just takes reps. Like you just get used to it and you kind of learn to have a tough skin and just know how to set it up and get it done. And that's, and that's something you could probably vouch for as well. It's like with these things, it's you learn on the job. Yeah. Never be afraid to partake in the job that you're doing, whether it's an audition or an actual booking. Never treat yourself like a rookie. Yeah. Go in, be the professional that you are, whether yeah. it's your first job or your 
500th job. Mm -hmm. And then things get easier. You learn how to take a self-tape better. You learn that you want a tripod for your phone because that's all you need. You learn that you want, that you have this wall on your, in your apartment that works the best. Yeah. That's just the things that you iron out and you flesh out. But ultimately you want to treat this and be a part of this industry and contribute to it. Yeah. You don't want to be a problem of it for the industry. You don't want to be a stereotype, a negative stereotype for no. it. You want to improve it. Yeah. And that's what, that's one of my goals with this as far as being on the agency side, which I know has a bad rep as mm -hmm. far as um, a lot of the things that either are depicted in movies or from just people talking about their own agencies. Sure. I feel like I'm hard on talent from time to time because I expect more. Yeah. And if we're going to be trying our hardest to get you booked and make you more than I'm making, I want you to be showing me that you're trying to do this as well. Yeah. I mean, I think about that all the time when, you know, I come and visit you guys in the office and bring treats or whatever. And like, I love talking with you guys. And there are so many people who have never met their agents. Mm -hmm. It's only been, they've they signed online, they sent in their photos online, they talked to them on the phone, but they've never been face to face, which I don't like that sort of impersonal relationship. But at the same time, like I know that I'm getting booked on these incredible jobs. Like I'm going to St. Lucia for a week with my best <laughs> friend. And yeah, my agent calls me, he's stoked for me. And it's like, I feel bad that I'm going and we've worked <laughs> on this together and they did all the hard work of submitting me and talking, you know, negotiating with casting directors and maybe moving me to the top of the pile or getting me booked or whatever, coordinating travel. And then I go off and they get their percentage of it. And it's, you got to have a little respect for the agency hustle, like go to the office and realize that like, well, you're having fun. They're in the office. Yeah. And there may be times when they're thankful that they're in an air conditioned office and not on a 14 hour shoot in <laughs> Joshua tree in the summer where there's bad craft services and the director's being a dick and mm -hmm. they might be thankful that they're the one behind the computer. So, or doing e-com in a building with no AC. Yeah, exactly. Doing 90 changes in six hours. Right. I mean, it, it definitely yeah. goes both ways and, totally. um, but you should have that respect for your agents because they're, getting you work they're paying your bills you know <laughs> and if they if you have a bad relationship with them or even just a neutral relationship with them you might not be top of mind so maybe there's a direct booking that comes along and they say this client says hey i want to see 10 10 people who look like this mm -hmm. and if you're not in that 10 people you don't have a shot at that job and one way you can i assume get into that 10 people is to just have a better relationship with the people who submit those images and portfolios those that we that we trust yeah are those that we're confident sending to clients that may be asking for your best it's mm -hmm. like if you know that you that this person has a spectacular record for right. communicating getting back fast showing up on time not making excuses being professional yeah then they're going to be the ones that um you know have the agency stamp of approval yeah I, I want it to be known that if you do feel, and I get this a lot because I am the point person at the agency, so I get to communicate the most with talent. Mm -hmm. There are certain times where agents f fear that they're that they are on the bad side of the agency that they that they have become talent fears that the talent fears that yeah. correct. And uh, I just want you to know that a simple conversation solves all of that. Yeah, and an attitude change maybe fixes whatever thing that you may have been completely in the wrong. Turning your back and, sh and ignoring it is right. not going to fix anything. Yeah, because then the work's going to ignore you. The work's going to ignore you. You're you're going to be sitting there thinking about it, stressing about it, mm -hmm. full well knowing that every time I communicate with you, you may think that it's in a, a level of spite. It's not. Yeah. Uh, but a simple communication back to just talk about, here's what happened, here's what we can do going forward, Yeah. and then just continue to be better at what you're doing. Right. I mean, I've made mistakes. I, I got scouted by a competitive agency in the same sort of category, but they promised me they were in a different market and that there would be no crossover. So I was like, great, I'll sign with them on the spot. Like, why not diversify more my agency portfolio? And the director of our agency called and said, you can't be on this board with this agency. Like they submit in our territory, you know, and they're very similar to us in terms of who they represent. And I was like, oh, that's not what I was told. My mistake and I immediately emailed that other agency and said, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm leaving you because, you know, mm -hmm. this isn't what I expected. And it seemed like that fixed the problem. And I was, you know, willing to admit that I was wrong, but also willing to fix the mistake and just move forward 
with my priorities in line. You want to maintain the relationships you have. You know, if, if don't bite the hand that feeds you kind right. of thing is an expression that matters. And, you know, learning from your mistakes going forward is another thing that we look for. It's like if yeah. you're going to continue to make the same problems, then you're going to then we're going to continue to expect that that's going to be a thing that we have to look out for. Yeah. But if you learn and you just try and be better, that's all we could ask for. And it's very easy to have that relationship turn to positive because nothing, an agent never wants to have a negative relationship with a talent mm -hmm. because that only limits the amount that they can yeah, I mean, get it, to book and make money. It's not fun for anyone. Yeah. And how often do you get feedback from casting directors or even clients in mm -hmm. terms of how talent was in auditions or how they were on set? Never when it comes to casting directors, especially not Never. casting companies. Really? Never. Huh. They keep their cards close to the chest, I guess. They don't care. Yeah. It's not their business to give feedback, and they've probably seen 100 talent. Who, yeah, why, why would they bring up talent? the bad ones, and if the good ones got the booking, then yeah. they got the booking? It's not even necessarily the good ones. Like I hear all the time that somebody felt that they left an agent, that they left a casting and they bombed it. Oh, that's and then the, they got put on a veil the next day. It's we like, talk about this all the time. <laughs> uh, every time you think you blew it, it just happened to me yesterday. Thought I blew it, a veil. I was like, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> but we generally only get no feedback is good feedback. Yeah. Right. Bad feedback will be communicated. Mm -hmm. um, and something has to go pretty wild for there to be bad feedback. Like showing up super late. Drunk. Hung over not, drunk. You know, you're on set in Arizona and they're putting you up in a hotel and you're not waking up for your call time. Yeah. Like. Oof. I didn't wake up for my call time one time. I had a shoot downtown LA and I was supposed to be on set, I think at like 7 a.m. And I, I never sleep before auditions. Like I'm always like waking up every hour checking my clock. And I woke up to my phone ringing and it was the second assistant, second assistant director saying, where are you? Are you, are you on set? And I looked at my clock. It was eight o'clock, not seven o'clock. I had set my alarm for PM instead of AM. And I was an hour away from downtown LA. And I got in my car as fast as I could, like just in a frantic mess mm -hmm. thinking like, I'm going to get dropped from the shoot. My agency is going to drop me. Like I'm not going to have an income. And somehow by the grace of God, the second AD got me into the makeup chair, got me in wardrobe. And like, I walked onto set and they were shooting my scene. No one noticed. No, <laughs> I mean, like I've never done that again. And it was just, you know, I made an honest mistake by setting my alarm wrong, but it was terrifying. Mm. It was awful. And, but I could see how, if that's something that happens once, like maybe you get some bad feedback and you can explain it away. If it happens again, three times and it's like, mm, what's really going on here? Is it really that alarm that you're yeah. really inept to be able to yeah, set because at night or? Because then, as you said, they're not reliable. So if a client's looking for talent and they say, "Who's give me your, give me your best, you're probably not going to be in that list. Right. There's a bell curve for the amount of trouble an agent's willing to put up with versus the amount of money that that talent right. makes. And that's what I've said. I mean, maybe you're just this striking force of nature who is a dick all the time, <laughs> but like everybody wants you, then like, I'll probably put up with you if I get 10% of what you're making, you know, Right. but yeah. don't do that. Please don't do that. And you're probably not that good looking. Like, I don't know who is <laughs> maybe Naomi Campbell or whoever. I'd put up with a lot, but I mean, I think it seems the, the day of the supermodel is kind of over. Uh, I mean, maybe there's these Instagram phenoms and there are the like Kendall Jenner's and the Cara Delevingne's and whatever, but in the journeyman modeling world people are making you know decent livings and just kind of hammering it out for the most part it seems it's the hustle yeah. that matters and i can't stress that enough the more faces that you get in front of that more that matters i don't want to say that there's a direct correlation between social media and yeah. modeling because i think that's an, an honest misdirection for a lot of newcomers right some of our top talent have nothing instagrams yeah less than a thousand followers or whatever yeah because it doesn't matter to them yeah but it does provide an extra source of income if you if that is something that you're looking to do oh you term, in terms of like influencing and for in terms of influencing yeah. right so if you're booked for print for you know asics mm -hmm. and they want to book you for four thousand dollars for the for this and this and this and then they see your instagram and they're like oh well you've got an influencing too so how much do we have to pay you for you to post. Yeah. We'll say, well, here's our bracket. Depends on how much they're asked to post and blah, 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 blah. Right. And then boom, you just went from a $4,000 booking to a $6,000 booking. Really? So what are the numbers that sort of get, in terms of following, like sort of get a client to raise an eyebrow and say, oh, maybe we'll tack on an additional rate here. 
generally being above 20,000 kind yeah. of starts the conversation. Yeah. Um, but more than your followers is your engagement rate. Oh yeah, definitely engagement. Cause I, it seems now everyone has 40,000, 50,000 mm-hmm. followers, but then you look at their posts and they have 200 likes mm-hmm. and the math doesn't check out. I mean, I don't, I think your engagement is supposed to be like between, I think it, it goes down as you go up in terms of your following, but it should be like 10%, 5% engagement at least. To, in order to start the conversation with influencing as a pro, as a potential, yeah. you have to be minimum 6% engagement rate. 6% engagement. Okay. So that's a solid number. So, and that sounds really low if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. But still, it's like, you know, okay, so how many of you have 10,000 followers and how many of you are getting 600 likes per, right. per, per picture? And that includes, you know, comments and all that kind of stuff too. But yeah. I think social media is an opportunity to grow as a model because mm-hmm. it continues to make you think about what kind of content you're creating. You have to continue to test and continue to take pictures in order to have content to post. Yeah. That also helps your portfolio with yeah, your It's agency. great to have the portfolio. Yeah. It makes you continue to think about being a creator, mm-hmm. a content creator. And then that helps you both respect and understand what's being asked of you when you're on set. Yeah. Okay. Final question. Mm. Why did you lose in the beer mile? Oh, man. <laughs> this is uh, this is a fluke. Because <laughs> uh, you have a, a running background. You're a distance runner Yeah. through I, college. I ran through college. I ran for nine years. I ran straight. Do you never stop running? Nine years straight. Never stopped. I'm an all-American. Really? I probably have run close to twenty thousand miles in my career. That's too many miles. And (laughs) I actually started training. I began the thought of training about my senior year of college. I went five years Uh because I redshirted, but around my fourth year in college, I decided that I was going to train for the Olympic trials. Yeah. And then I moved to Chicago. Yeah. And then winter hit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dash those dreams. After that, I realized that running for me was about competition. Mm-hmm. It w- I wasn't a runner through and through. A lot of people thought that running was my life. No. Yeah. Winning was my life. Yeah. I don't know. I was good at running. Yeah. I liked to be good at what I was doing. Yeah. The beer mile, the running was easy. <laughs> the running was easy. Fitting four beers in your stomach in seven minutes. So it's you run a mile on every lap on a regulation track you drink a beer out of a can can or bottle can or bottle you chose which That's one the rule. i uh we actually uh failed our first route and we poured into into cups ah. plastic cups which was a violation yeah. of the uh international beer mile rules because you can drink a beer out of a plastic cup much faster oh hell yeah yeah hell yeah <laughs> that thing just gulps down yeah so i am currently debating the test i have both bottles and cans in my fridge of yeah. Coors light which yeah. i'm trying to determine which one's <laughs> doing the be research the huh? for me uh i am currently training both running with and without beer in my system. Yeah. And I mean, putting uh, 48 ounces of like fresh, cold, not flat beer in your stomach and running is, that's a lot. But that's the, but that's not, you don't have to have cold beer. Oh, and I think that's going to be the deciding factor for me. Super cold beer, refrigerator beer is not going to be the best way to chug. Harder to get down. Right. And, and room temperature beer tastes terrible to try and drink. We're going to do hot so, beer. well trying to find the if if your fridge is set at what 40 degrees yeah maybe a 60 degree Ooh, interesting you know so it's very scientific it's very scientific so um, so there's going to be a a a repeat of this challenge there is going to be a repeat of this challenge uh my coworker michael has the intentions of making the top 10 pbr national record yeah or it's not ta- the, national top 10 list it's not me michael it's an agency at our or an agent at our agency michael correct yeah. D- different michael yeah um, he did what was his time it was pretty it was solid i believe it was like eight something okay that's... eight something so running an eight minute mile while chugging four beers yeah and the rule is you have to chug a beer first okay then you run when you get to the start line again Chug Chug another beer. So it's four beers. And you can't run while you drink. It has to be. There's a 10 meter window where you can grab the beer to where you have to have it finished and dropped. Yeah. Um, And if you yak, it's a one lap penalty. Oh, whoa. Yep. But there are no rules about yakking after. So once you cross the finish line, it can all come up. Yeah. (laughs) So. So what are you shooting for? What's your goal time? Uh, Well. 
Michael's goal is he has to get under, I think, 620 or 610. I've never run a mile that fast without beer. <laughs> and he has to do that in order to make the top 10 list. I argue that if I can get my drinking under control, that mile should be easy. <laughs> That's a funny uh, standalone sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I am currently uh, planning uh, track workouts for half half can chugs plus 800 meter repeats. Wow. <laughs> so uh, anybody who might be a runner out there might know what uh, doing proper repeats feels like. Just yeah. add uh, add beer to the mix. and Half can chugs. Mm. Oof. Yeah. Well, it's nice to know that you have a hobby. You know, <laughs> we all got to do something when the sun's shining and the summer's long. Yeah. So do you have any last bits of wisdom for, I don't know, models starting out or models who are seasoned and looking to go to the next level? Or I don't know, what would be your biggest piece of advice to just the model community? There's, there's going to be a couple and I'll kind of keep each one short, but there's yeah. going to be a few. One is make sure that your agency wants you. Right. If your agency isn't excited about you, then they aren't going to be excited to push you. Yeah. And then you get lost. You get lost. Yeah. Second one is communicate, both obviously with responding to your agents, but also expressing what it is that you want to be doing and how you could be doing better. Yeah. Uh, I feel, I never feel that there should be a, a reason why your agents can't be communicating that kind of stuff to you. Yeah. I know that I've heard a lot of feedback from people that their agents don't give them the level of feedback or the level of training that I provide to our talent. Mm -hmm. That is a reason why I do it because mm -hmm. I know as a photographer, models complain about that. So communicate. If you're not finding one way, then communicate with other models. Yeah. And then lastly, hustle. If you, st if you start getting too big for your britches, you're just going to funnel yourself out of work. Yeah. Hustle for the smaller jobs, hustle for the bigger jobs. Sometimes the smaller jobs have a producer that is working on, you know, a hundred thousand dollar job the next mm -hmm. month and they're casting for it. And mm -hmm. so you might have an opportunity to get a leg up just by saying yes to a $500 job. Yep. Every conversation I've had with somebody in the industry has been, uh, my question is, is what do you look for when you're looking to book models? What's their answer? We want to like who we work with. Yeah. Right. That's number one. Every single conversation has been that. And it's so, it's pretty incredible to think that in a, you walk in, in and out of some auditions in under a minute and they can glean that. You know, and they're watching it off a of tape a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of the things are just a personality question. You know, maybe they already know you're a great rock climber, mountain biker, runner. But they just say, like, what's the last vacation you went on? And they just want to hear a story. They want to see the light in your eyes. Mm -hmm. They want to see what it looks like when you smile. Do you, are you excited to be there? Are you excited to think off the cuff and tell a funny story? And I guess that's the purpose of those questions. Everybody has their own rationale for what they're doing and they're, yeah. and everybody answers to somebody else. Yeah. So if you can make yourself accessible and make yourself a, and they say this in every business, make yourself irreplaceable. Right. How do you do that when there's so many other models? <laughs> <laughs> Just be one of the good ones. Be one of the good ones. Amen to that. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate this. I learned a lot from you. You know, thank you for giving me a chance to speak to a little wider audience. Here. Yeah. I think that there's always questions that people uh, have about this industry and I'm always open for the conversation. And yeah. so, uh, do you want to plug your Instagram or anything if people have further questions? Yeah. You know, uh, you guys can reach out to me. My Instagram, my photography Instagram is at uh, Will, W-I-L-L-G as in grape, period, MacNeil, M-A-C. N-E-I-L. And Will is a very talented photographer. Both He does these beautiful black and white editorial style shoots. And then his sports photography is also incredible, which is kind of where his original pedigree comes from. And that's where my future lies. Yeah. So that's what that's that's my that's my plug is uh, I'm going in the sports photography route, Ooh. trying to get in the um, NCAA and uh, pro sports sideline. Get those big zoom out. lenses, those Dude, telescopes. I, I rented one that cost... How much did the last one cost? I rented $18,000. What? So I'm walking around with my credit card on the $18,000 yeah. hold. And I'm just like, all that is healthy and lovable. Yeah. Please don't let me drop this. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Well, we'll have to do uh, episode two about what's next for you because you've given us so much information already. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is a great podcast. I'm really happy you're doing it. And I'm uh, excited to listen to all the future ones you're doing. Just yeah. not this one. I won't listen to my own voice. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, man. Awesome. Right, bye, you. kids.